0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Your Money on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Ken Smetters.
1: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Your Money here in Serious Excellence Business Radio, Channel 111. It's powered By the Wharton School, I'm Kent Smethers, a professor here at the Wharton School in Philadelphia. We are live every Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, repeated throughout the week. And the purpose of this show is simply to help you make better decisions with your money. In the first part of the show, we often think of ways to increase your productivity and your income. And the rest of the show, we focus on ways of how to wisely spend your money, save it, uh, including things like paying down debts and, of course, buying insurance, and investing your money. Um, really, the most fun part of the show is we take your calls throughout the entire show and give you advice about your own financial needs. And you can connect with me online by going to my website, kentonmoney.com. And so today, I'm joined by three great guests. The first will be Brad Klontz, who is a financial psychologist and co-founder of a company called Your Mental Wealth. And tomorrow's Valentine's Day, so we thought we'd kind of... Uh, Be talking today a little bit about money and relationships, and we'll hear about all these issues that couples face and how to work through them. Money is a big reason, of course. For divorce and why a lot of couples say you know have marital strife, and then later in the show I'll be joined by two financial planners. The first will be David peltz of Joel I- Ikinson and a Company, and this will be his first time on the program. And we'll be doing some general retirement planning, so get your questions ready for that. And then later in the show, welcome them back to the show Louis uh, Coconut, who is a principal of Haven Financial Advisors. And so you know uh, the routine by now. If you want to know how to invest your money safely. Retirement, your kids, college—do you really need that life insurance policy? Maybe someone's trying to sell you really anything about your money. That's the show's name. Live on Tuesday, so grab that phone, give me a call, and we'll answer questions here at one eight four four Wharton. Just like the school name, W H A R T O N. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, and we'll talk about your own situation. Remember, you only have to give us your first name and the state that you're calling from, so never a reason to be nervous or shy, and thousands of other listeners will benefit hearing the advice given to you about your own financial needs. So uh, my producer, Michelle, is standing by and ready to line up your calls here at 1-844-WORTHEN. That's one 844 7866 and we'll talk about your own financial situation there. Welcome to the show, uh, Brad Klontz, who is the co founder of Your Mental Wealth and um, also of the Financial Psychology Institute, uh, we're located in a very nice climate right now, the Hawaiian Islands, and uh, he's been a financial psychologist as well as an associate professor of personal financial planning at Kansas State University for uh, many years and is also the former president of the Hawaii um, Psychological Association. And he's been a co-author of uh, five books on the psychology of money, Um, and uh, we'll talk about his website uh, a a little bit later where you can find some of those. And then his work has also been featured in major media outlets, including ABC News 2020, Good Morning America, USA Today, uh, Wall Street Journal, and many others. Welcome to the show, Brad. The pleasure being here, Ken. And if you have a question about money and marriage and relationships, as yes, again live on Tuesday, so pick up the phone, give me a call here at one one eight four four Worth, and that's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So Brad, I gave it a little bit of introduction about yourself, like give me a little bit more here. I mean, money, wealth, and it certainly um, it goes together. But when we talk about kind of loving money, uh, sometimes it's a more difficult topic, and it's something that you know you you actually address head on. So give, give us some more about your background.
0: Yeah, so well, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I'm now at Creighton University. Um, I love my brothers and sisters at Kansas State, but I'm now at Creighton. And really, you know, I, I'm a clinical psychologist, and that, that's where I started in my career, um, and really realized that, um, you know, basically looking at my own financial psychology, and then looking into the field of psychology, I realized there was a lot of work to be done there. There wasn't a lot of research. There wasn't a lot of understanding. For what, as you mentioned, is the number one stressor in the lives of Americans, which is money. And then when it plays out in couples and families, you know, it's the number one reason that couples will get divorced, especially in the earlier years of marriage as they're trying to hash out their different personalities around money. And so a lot of the research I've done over the last decade has been focused on looking at how we can basically decrease people's stress, improve their relationship with money Um, And partially by getting more conscious and a better understanding about our own personalities around money and our beliefs around money. And in my work with couples, what we have found is that, you know, as I said, couples fight about money. It's the number one thing they fight about. And many of those fights are really based on these different beliefs that we have about money because we come from different families and we have these hardwired beliefs around money that we were not really conscious of. But they drive our financial behaviors, and they're the reason why we end up in conflict with our partners.
1: Yeah. So you, you talk about beliefs. Is there a particular, you know, uh, issue, it, or is it is it just kind of different concepts about money? is there a particular uh, issue uh, that that couples are fighting about?
0: Well, it, you know, it, it's pretty much all aspects of money. You know, like uh, the typical pattern um, that you'll see is around spending behaviors. Well, you'll have one partner who. Um, is more frugal than the other partner. Um, And what happens over the course of years without really, you know, paying attention to this really hot button issue and and being careful around it, we have these, I call them drive-by conversations around money where, you know, someone will sort of say something sarcastic or um, some sort of disparaging thing around, you know, you spent too much money on that. um, And the other person feels like that's not the case. And so they end up feeling somewhat resentful or disrespected or misunderstood. And these patterns of behavior over time can lead to resentments.
1: Yeah. And so certainly one of the temptations if you're in a couple where you have different kind of money views is to start doing secret purchases, you know, doing the stuff behind people, uh, your spouse's back and so forth. Um, so talk about that. I mean, that certainly seems to be a lot of fuel for the fire in the battle over money in marriage.
0: Yeah, wow, it certainly is. So so in our field, we call that financial infidelity, which is basically um, either withholding information or giving false information about whether it's spending, investing, saving, even giving money or receiving money. It can, it can happen around any of these different areas. And, you know, about one third of, of Americans in relationships admit to engaging in some form of financial infidelity. And when you look under the hood, quite often, it goes back to that um, difference in beliefs around money and beliefs around spending where somebody is feeling like if I, if I told my wife or husband, if I really gave them the truth on how much I paid for this pair of shoes or, um, you know, this investment I made or whatever, that they would be really upset with me. And so it usually comes from this pattern of, you know, I don't want to fight. I want to avoid a fight. And so I'll um, minimize how much I spent or I will totally lie about it um, or just, you know, not give any information at all. And and one of the problems with this um, is that when that secret gets revealed, which it quite often does, then it leaves the partner feeling betrayed. Um, And and for some people, it's a a real emotional betrayal. I've I've actually seen couples end up divorced around a financial Mm. infidelity um, situation where because it sort of rattles the foundation of the relationship and it makes you ask questions like, what else is my partner lying to me about and why would they do that?
1: Yeah, it, it, it's, it's certainly when the partner is who's, uh, being... Um, dishonest is caught, usually the storytelling. Well, I thought I told you about that and, and so forth. I mean, right. yeah, and it's um, it, it leads to even more um, uh, distress. Uh, and if, if, speaking with Dr. Brad Clancy who's the co-founder of Your Mental Wealth. And if you have a question about money and relationships, uh, give us a call here at 1-844-WARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. So certainly, you talked about some of the common causes why people commit financial infidelity. Um, you know, just. Want to essentially get our way without getting into uh, an argument uh, uh, about it. Um, so, then how do you recommend that? Hey, you know, I, I think something's important. It's not, we're not talking about sports tickets. You know, we th- think maybe an investment or doing a startup or something that I think may actually be good for, uh, for us in the long run. Maybe my spouse has a different view, a different view on th- risk taking and things like that. How do you recommend that people then approach? on um, that, that, uh, that uh, challenging issue of trying to um, not essentially just get their way, but, f- you know, figure out how to uh, merge their, their views of money into their relationships?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, that's a, a great question. And what I find to be not very helpful is to continue the same argument you've been having for years. <laughs> that is not very helpful. Um, and so really what you're saying is, is, like, how can we come at this from a, a different approach, And uh, there's a way that I really encourage couples to approach conversations with money Mm. that is a very different conversation than what they're used to having. Um, As I mentioned, you know, a lot of these conversations are drive-bys, they're set in passing. And when you're first, if you think back to when you first got together with your um, husband, wife, partner, um, you had conversations very early. Like once you started to realize, hey, I think this person and I might be a good match, you started to ask questions around your compatibility, you know, questions like, Hey, you know, do you want to have kids someday or, you know, w- what are your goals professionally? And, and part of what you're doing there is a bit of a job interview on like, you know, so so are we matching up here? And the thing that we fail to do is have conversations around money, the real basic stuff. And so what I encourage couples to do, especially if they've been fighting around the same issue for years. And, and by the way, Ken, the average person, the average couple will fight about the same issue for seven years before they'll go see a counselor. So when Mm. when people go to counselors, they've been fighting about the same thing for seven years on average, which is a lot of time to build up resentments and frustration. So I encourage people to go back and have that conversation that would have been great for them to have on their fourth or fifth date. And that's really diving into their own financial psychology. And so I, I encourage them to to talk to each other about, you know, what, what was their earliest memory around money? um, What, was the socioeconomic status of their growing up years. So did you grow up poor? Did you grow up middle-class, wealthy? And how did this impact your relationship with money? Um, what, what was it like for your parents? What was their socioeconomic status? And then sort of drilling down to these beliefs. So, you know, what, things, what three things, as an example, did your mother teach you about money, either directly or indirectly, or your father teach you about money? And mm. then looking at what are your financial goals? What are your biggest financial fears? Yeah. Uh, and really sort of flesh out this, this understanding. And, and as I'm talking to my wife in, in my situation around this, I'm starting to gain some understanding around my own financial psychology, and she's starting to know me in a very different way. And, for example, if she knew that I grew up in a family system that comes from a lot of poverty, then my anxiety around money or not having enough starts to make more sense to her, and she can have some more compassion for me around that.
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly – Talking about goals and, you know, trying to figure out, is this person responsible um, in terms of making money or, or how they spend uh, money? That certainly seems like, uh, whether it's fourth date material or eighth date material, uh, people could debate. But it's, it's certainly that, that seems on the table. What about some of the other things that you you, you brought up? I mean, our, our beliefs and so forth, Where are some of the other things that we're trying to figure out? Um, you know, beyond just are you basically a responsible person, either in terms of making money or, or spending money?
0: Yeah, so, so it is, it's looking at those shared goals or unshared goals in terms of what you want to do financially. Um, and part of what, you know, the messages that you got from your mother or your father around money, um, that's really digging into the money script conversation. And these are these typically unconscious beliefs for most of us that um, underlie, you know, they're, they're sort of at the basis of our relationship with money and they drive all our financial behaviors. And all mm-hmm. the research we've been doing over the last decade on these money scripts really do show that they predict things like, you know, your vulnerability to credit card debt, your spending habits, your, even your income and your net worth.
1: Okay, so the, define that money our, script. What, what does that mean?
0: Yeah, so money script is, is basically a belief that we have around money. Um, that typically we got in our childhood that was given to us either directly or indirectly from our parents or grandparents or our, you know, our larger family system. They're typically unconscious, but they drive all of our financial behaviors. And I can give you some examples. Like yeah. um, there, there's, there's a category of money scripts that, are, that we call money avoidant. And their beliefs very specifically, like you know, rich people are greedy, money corrupts, there's virtue in living with less money, and you can see how that would lead to an avoidance pattern around money. And so what what our research has found is people who endorse those beliefs and have those beliefs are more likely to sabotage themselves and sabotage their success. Mm. And so, you know, it's really important to know that, you know, like why, why Where? if you have the belief that rich people are greedy, where did it come from? And and if you can dig down into those early experiences, I guarantee you it came from an experience that um, would lead a child to conclude that, oh, my gosh, rich people are greedy and bad. Um, so you can find these these things that happened in our family system that totally explain these behaviors, but these behavior, or these beliefs, but they may not be accurate now. And that's where they can start tripping us up. And the more emotion that is attached to those beliefs, the harder it is to shake and the more likely we are to be in conflict with our partners around it.
1: So when couples fight about money, is it really just, hey, he wants to spend on this and she wants to spend on that or alternatively? Um, you know, save or are there, are there deeper kind of these money script issues? What's really at the core of it?
0: Yeah. So what I find and what I do with couples is I have them go back and have the conversation that, that, you know, okay, I'll give you the eight things that they should have back then related to this stuff. Because what I have found is that, um, these money scripts and these competing belief patterns around money explain all of these financial, um, Fights and problems, and and what I've found in my work with couples is if I can get them to to have some understanding around their own financial psychology, because some of these beliefs, you know, are totally inaccurate right now, yeah. um, and are they're tripping you up. So if you can understand where they came from, then you can start to shift those. And if we can have compassion for where our partner came from, it puts things in a in a totally different perspective. And then ultimately, what it does is it allows you to negotiate an agreed upon solution. And that's really what needs to happen. Like your chances are you're not going to totally agree on exactly how much to buy, you know, to spend for your kids for their birthdays. But you can come up with a negotiated solution. You can arrive at something that feels okay to both of you, and that's really ultimately what needs to happen.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Does having a joint bank account, does that kind of lead to transparency? Is that the kind of the the magic bullet here?
0: You know, what's interesting, I'm a bit agnostic around, like, whether couples should do joint or separate because I've seen it work in many different ways. But there is some research to suggest, and this makes sense, that if you do do a joint bank account, you're probably going to be a more responsible and more thoughtful spender um, because, you know, certainly, you know, you're, you're looking at statements together or you're at least, you know, have access to that. And so it, it's an accountability partner. And this is where couples actually um, do better around money than single people do because there's sort of a built-in accountability partner. And Mm. like for my wife and I, one of the tools we have is that if we're going to spend over a certain amount, and for us it's like $200, that we agree to consult with each other. Mm. And the great thing about that is um, just the thought of, I'll have an impulse to buy things like all of us do, and then I'll think, okay, well, I need to run that by my wife, Joni. And then quite often I'll be like, well, you know, I don't really want it that bad. (laughs) Not that we would fight, but just that um, it's that extra step that actually helps it make it more conscious because many of our, um, you know, buying behaviors are done sort of unconsciously and emotionally and automatically. And so, just putting some time between that impulse to buy by checking in with your partner leads to re- reduced spending and, and actually better financial health.
1: So, one of my colleagues here, she, she's told me some years ago, she has a deal with her husband that they basically have basically agreed that you know they can each spend you know, like two hundred fifty bucks a month. Um, whatever they want, no questions. You know, asked about that. And what, what do you think about that approach? Essentially, you know, you can just, you know, it turns out he likes, you know, technology stuff, and she likes shoes and so forth. What do you think about that approach? Um, to at least kind of a, as a first layer, kind of dealing with some of the conflict.
0: Yeah, I, I love that approach. And you know, for some people too, they have a real strong need for independence and not wanting to have to, for example, check. Um, with your partner or spouse around all spending decisions or whatever. And so that that type of solution, I've seen other ones where um, a certain percentage of income is decided upon that goes into separate checking accounts. And then, you know, it can be more than 250 over time, of course. And then that person has total discretion on what they want to spend it on. Yeah. I've seen a lot of those solutions work. And it really comes down to, I think, being open and honest, trying it out, renegotiating if it doesn't feel feel good. Um, and just making sure that everyone's feeling respected and understood and their needs are getting met.
1: So if finally, in terms of kind of some of the verbal sparring that happens that kind of exacerbates a lot of the issues, I mean, talk through us through kind of what, what's the best way of really finding common ground and really starting the process of changing personalities. It's easy to say, well, just talk it out and have that conversation. And obviously it's, you know, it's certainly part of it. it's a conversation of course but talk through us uh, some of the steps that needs, needs to happen so that couples kind of de-escalate and have a, a, a more thoughtful and loving conversation regarding money
0: Yeah one of the things that I that I really encourage people to do is, is money is such a hot button topic for, for just about everybody. We also don't have a lot of experience talking about it it's a taboo topic. Um, especially when we're talking about, you know, the real details of of how much we make and what we want to do with our money. So I encourage couples to actually set an appointment to talk about it, you know, and don't just talk about it, you know, in the kitchen as you're passing each other. Mm. So set up a time and a place to talk. You know, maybe you're going out to lunch, whatever, but just come ready to to listen and have this discussion. And then the other thing that I really encourage couples to do, and this is a good skill in general, it's a good skill in business, it's a good skill everywhere, but um, really focus on listening. And so um, what what we'll try to get couples to do is, you know, your job is just to listen for the next 30 seconds and then to try to repeat back what you thought your partner said. And this sounds extremely simple, Kent, but it's so difficult to do yeah. with your partner if it's around a topic you've been fighting about. Um, you know, so, hey, could, honey, could you please, you know, I, I've, I've actually seen it like this just as an example. Hey, honey, could you please, you know, um, do make sure to do the dishes at night? what are you saying? I'm lazy. Mm. Right. And so it's like, well, I, you know, as, as I'm sitting there facilitating, I'm like, well, didn't say you were lazy. Um, said, could you please, you know, make sure to do, do the dishes or whatever it is. But, yeah. but it's so easy for us to jump to assumptions and not really hear what our partner is trying to say. And, and then the conversations get, gets derailed very quickly unless we're listening and really trying to repeat back. This is what I thought you said. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah. No, that's fantastic. And, and the, your two points there, again, to summarize, really scheduling a time and place, what you call not doing the drive-bys. And I think drive-bys are a tactic that a lot of times are used to say, hey, I gave you heads up about that um big spin it's kind of a way to cover ourselves and it really is not you know uh thoughtful or respectful to our, our spouse and then secondly kind of really listening and repeating back i mean basic negotiations courses <laughs> uh, basically says that you know, really starts with listening and kind of repeating um back wait, what you heard and that's uh, f- fantastic uh, help uh, the, uh dr brad cluntz uh, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show it's really terrific material
0: Always a pleasure, Ken.
1: And you can find out more about Brad Klontz by going to his website, which is simply yourmentalwealth.com. Again, your mental wealth. Dot com. You're listening to your money. I'm Kent Smith's Business Radio, here at Sirius XM 111. Uh, remember, live every Tuesday from 5 to 7 p.m., re- repeated throughout the week. When we come back, you know the routine by now. I have a couple of financial planners with me taking your calls about your own financial situation. So if you want to know how to invest your money, how to save for retirement, kids, college, maybe grandma just left you a, a million bucks, want to know what to do with it, or buying life insurance, paying down debts, really anything about your money. Um, that's the show's name. It's live on Tuesday, so grab the phone, give me a call here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six and we'll talk about your own uh, situation. You might have to give us your first name and the state you're calling from. So, never a reason to be nervous or shy. And so, my producer, Michelle, is standing by and ready to line up your call. So, pick up the phone, give me a call here at 1 Wharton. That's 1 844 942 7866. We'll be back right after this quick break. For more insight from Business
0: Radio, please visit you.